This episode is brought to you by Audible. Over 180,000 titles of audiobooks ready for your consumption. If you head over to audibletrial.com slash The Minimalist Vegan, you'll be able to get a free audiobook of your choosing. Anyone you like. Doesn't matter if it's $20, $40, you can be listening to that audiobook over the next month and forever because it becomes part of your library. So again, all you need to do is head over to audibletrial.com slash The Minimalist Vegan to grab a copy of your free audiobook. Thank you for supporting our show. What does it mean to live with less stuff and more compassion? That's the question we aim to answer every week on the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Hello, my name is Michael and I'm joined by my guest and my wife, Marsha, every week to discuss the intersection of minimalism and veganism, not only on our podcast, but over on our blog where we share recipes and articles as well on the same topics. In this episode, we're we're talking about how to enjoy the holiday season as a vegan. And uh, look, I think this episode is just as applicable to non-vegans as it is for vegans and and how we can all work together to make sure everything's as smooth as possible and um, the experience doesn't need to be compromised. Everyone can have fun at this time of the year. So I hope you find this conversation valuable and I'll be checking in with you after the episode to fill in any gaps. Chat to you soon. I think we've picked the right topic for this time of year actually to do it now so that yep. it helps people gather their thoughts and work out what exactly they're going to do yep. with their family and friends <laughs> especially if it's their first one that's probably the hardest mm. is to work out what you're going to do and how to actually enjoy the holiday season as a vegan which yeah. is what we're talking about today yeah it's uh yeah very nicely chosen topic and very timely you know i think we we like to think of topics that are a little bit more timeless. So even though this is something that is very much relevant to uh, this time of the year when this podcast episode comes out, you know, I think it's going to continue every year to be potentially a challenge for people. Mm. And I think what we're really talking about is that if you look at October, November, December, in most Western societies around the world, there's a huge lineup of events, you know, Mm. to take advantage of consumerism. So we've got things like Halloween at the end of October, we have Thanksgiving at the end of November, Christmas at the end of December, New Year's, and then in between that we've got some religious holidays as well, Uh, Jewish holidays in October, Orthodox Christmas in January. I'm sure there's a lot of religious holidays that we've missed out on, but there's a lot going on there. And I think it's in a really exciting time of the year. So take away the excessive consumerism and everything. But I think this is really a great time of the year for people to come together in all their social situations, whether it's friends, family or at work even. And I think what we wanted to talk about is what this time of the year looks like for us before we were vegan. And then what we realized were some of the challenges when we became vegan to still enjoy this time of the year and still be able to have fun with those closest to you as well. Because I think this can be quite stressful for both vegans and non-vegans alike trying to accommodate for each other. Yes. Cool. (laughs) Um, Before we go on though, I just wanted to mention, like as you said before, that yes, we're releasing this during the holiday season, but this can transcend into any social event. If it's picnics, if it's birthday parties, if it's hen's nights, anything where you come together and you share a meal Mm. with people or snacks or canapes, whatever it could be, uh, where things can get a little bit, you know, your communication needs to heighten a little bit just to make sure that you're being catered for pretty much or that you're catering for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. birthday parties as well. <laughs> totally forgot about yes, those. Yes, <laughs> birthday parties. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really great point to make. And look, I don't think you realize just what your habits are until you become vegan. Like if we just take work for a example of what happens at this time of the year, and it's going to be different for every workplace depending on your situation. But at least in my experience, there was a lot going on that I didn't realize. Like I remember in corporate environments, whether it was in accounting finance or in sales and real estate, 
when it came to managing client relationships, there was a big movement. Well, there was a big push from directors to give our clients hampers. Yeah. So, you know, that was a kind gesture to build loyalty with your client base and build those relationships. And um, so, yeah, you'd write a, a Christmas card or a holiday card and give them a hamper of which would normally include a leg of ham and cheese. And and that, those are the sort of things that I used to not only participate in, but suggest. Do you know what I mean? It was like one of those things that, you know, oh, let, let's do hampers for our clients. Mm. And But luckily, uh, after I became vegan, I was, wasn't in those environments to sort of deal with that transition. But you could be in that situation. The other one is like a lot of team building events. Like at this time of the year, companies might, have a budget put aside to take their teams out on like carnivals or swimming or like outdoor movie events or something like that just as a way to thank the team for the end of the year and again to build the camaraderie between the team so again there's a lot of considerations there Uh, i just wrote a post over the weekend about you know whether animals should be kept in a zoo uh so if you haven't uh, depending on what your thoughts are, it might be worth reading that article. But I, I say this because I remember in one of my previous workplaces, it was a suggestion to go to the zoo as a end of year sort of party or thing to do with the team. And I was vegan at the time and I remember not not knowing what to say mm. because I didn't want to be that person that was like, no. To be the party pooper. Yeah, right? like that's not... That's just not right for me, like, you know, sort of take myself out of it. But, at this, you know, so there was that sort of weighing on my mind. Luckily, we didn't go down that path, mm. but that can be a potential stress point. That can um, be a little bit awkward because it's like, well, then I just won't participate in it. You don't want to cause trouble. Yeah. But then you don't want to participate in it. So you just say that you won't come. Yeah. Which is then, you know, like you get to miss out because you're uncomfortable with the decision that they've made absolutely but i think as there are more people that are becoming vegan it's going to be more obvious in workplaces slowly to see that there are more considerations for people to think about for sure and it also comes down i guess a little bit to the whole politically correct you know they can't there's certain things that they may not be able to do or to use or to... Yeah, like what wasn't offensive 10, 15 years ago is offensive now and there's yeah. a lot more considerations, uh, particularly from leadership, to make sure that it's an inclusive environment. That can come with its own, I suppose, pressure from leadership to make sure mm-hmm. they're ticking all those boxes. <laughs> it's hard enough to please everybody mm-hmm. in a workplace with just an event, yet, yet alone thinking about or like, you know, oh, is it going to be vegan friendly? Am I offending these people? Am I offending those people? But mm. it was interesting being on the other side and being one of those people being affected by perhaps the decision of what we're doing. Yeah. So that's another thing. Another example is uh, early November each year in Australia, uh, one of the biggest social events, gambling events, is around the Melbourne Cup, which is the horse riding. So. Which is this coming, which is where? tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you did the... You did podcast timing. That was really impressive. I did. <laughs> I was going to say Tuesday and then I was like, actually, that's tomorrow. Oh, fantastic. Yes. So that's coming up very shortly. And again, in, look, not even just work environments. In, at school, I remember this was a, a widely celebrated event. And at work, uh, again, this was a, a big deal for uh, team building and also connecting with clients. So if- for people that don't know what Melbourne Cup is, it's actually a horse racing event, a very big horse racing event uh, once a year in Australia and Melbourne um, where people bet on horses pretty much and get dressed up. They have like a fashion parade, get all frocked up with those fascinators in your hair and men wear suits and girls wear pretty dresses. Yep. And people normally get very drunk. Mm. I've never been to a Melbourne Cup event before. I have, and yes, I never, I never liked the thought of it. It just didn't seem like something that I didn't be into. Yep. Um, but I've seen multiple pictures <laughs> enough to know what actually goes on there. And yeah, people bet on horses to win. And interestingly enough, there's been some controversy around that this year. So I'd like to see how it actually pans out in this year's event. Yeah, there's been some lack of transparency as to uh, the lifespan of the horses that have been racing, how they're being treated 
after they retire from racing. And even before, like uh, leading even before, up to the It's an incredible amount races. of cruelty. There's, um, you know, a lot of talk about animals being, horses being turned into pet food and driving the pet food industry. So, yeah, there's a lot of dark things happening in horse racing and surrounding the Melbourne Cup. And uh, we'll be sure to link to some of that in the show notes as well. So, they like, they boycott it. There's a saying called um, nup to the cup. So it's like saying no to the Melbourne Cup. Yeah. So a lot of people, like, you know, I'd say most vegans would boycott it, but I think there'll be more and more people this year because it was on the news. It was... It got a lot of coverage. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how many people show up to the races. But because it's in Melbourne, but they still have every city has its own local event as well. And then people go to pubs and bars and, you know, at workplaces, like literally the whole country stops to watch this race, but they all celebrate it and they all yeah, have and they food all gamble. and drinks yeah, and gamble. And they all bet, and, bet on yeah. the horses and it's... Yeah. Again, I've never yeah. done that either. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that's, that's definitely uh, something that is like a lot of people really passionate about. Mm. You know, they look forward to dressing up for this event. Mm. And they might plan it months in advance. So to then not participate or to speak out on that matter at this time of the year, if you're vegan, can be uncomfortable, mm. right? But I think it's only going to get easier because there's more people saying no to it. Yes. So eventually it's going to turn the tables for people that would still like to go. It'll be uncomfortable for them to participate in it rather than not participate in it. Yes, you would so, hope. You would hope. Yeah, I mean, yes. but that's just an example of, of something that happened and you know like i think most workplaces or they at least used to it used to be a public holiday in australia yeah um so they took it very seriously i mean it's it's still over a billion like multiple billion dollar industry yeah so it's a very very uh money driven industry in this country for sure um look yeah i don't think it's a public holiday anymore but we've replaced it with another public holiday yeah so <laughs> <laughs> Australia loves public holidays, yes. especially Canberra. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that's that's just the work examples. Then there's Christmas. So yeah, on Christmas now we're Australian, so we we're not really exposed to the th- Thanksgiving culture. So I just want to say that uh, because I know that's probably a huge deal uh, at this time of the year for a lot of vegans, non-vegans alike, at the dinner table and what that represents. Um, but we don't have any experience with that. So that's why we're not mentioning it. But so we can't really comment on it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Christmas Day, yeah, that's another one. That's well, It's like know, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Yeah, actually, yeah, the, just the week of Christmas, the yeah. whole, that whole time. I think for me, uh, I mean, your family doesn't celebrate Christmas as much. Well, at all, They really. haven't since we were young. Yeah. So that, how, however you look at that, that's actually pretty it made your transition to veganism quite easy right Mm. because for me it's not like my family went over the top with it but we're certainly into christmas like you have a tradition yeah we have a tradition yeah how you how the day pans out yes like i know exactly what's going to (laughs) happen at what time or approximately what time and when presents are going to be opened and when you know lunch is going to be served but you know what even as you say even as you say that it makes me happy so it, this is a thing. It's like um, even though I've been a little bit more non-committal with the presents at Christmas, and that's probably another podcast episode around minimalism at Christmas. Mm. But we're talking about veganism specifically during the holidays, and and I, I it it brought a lot of joy, like being able to watch Christmas movies on Christmas Eve and. To wake up in the morning and clean the house and open presents and have a huge lunch. Yeah, that's a and weird thing to, to clean first thing in the morning on Christmas well, Day. Well, the house has got to look clean for, oh, no, for, no. for Christmas you, photos. You just think that yeah. it would be the day before or something, <laughs> not on the day itself. Yeah, but. true. But um, so, yeah, it was. It's, it's just a really fun day. And it's a day where, uh, at least in my family, it's like there's, there's never an argument. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like an unspoken rule that this day just has to go well. You know, and there's a good vibe to it. So, um, it, I've got a lot of fun memories in relation to Christmas, and and a lot of it has got to do with food. So, for example, my mum. And mom, the fact that you were the Christmas present hand. Yeah. What What's it called? What would you call yourself? Uh, what was What's your job title? 
I don't know. I don't think there's a title for it. So the person that hands out Christmas presents to everyone. So you'd sit next to the tree and like you'd facilitate the the opening. Well, of I the don't presents. do it anymore. Yeah, that's been passed down. No, it's been passed down to, to my nephew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's taken the mantle for that one. But yeah, that that was my job. But I remember you used to train him when he was too young to kind of like even read people's names. You'd be, you'd sit together yeah. Yeah. and then you'd guide him through, show him, him the ropes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was officially just taken yeah. over. And it's interesting te- teaching uh, toddlers that um, because they'll just continue to try and give themselves presents under the or Christmas tree, or just like quickly give them out to everyone, like yeah. not pace it out yeah. until everyone. Ex- hey, and look, it's pretty fresh, like. Look, a lot of people listening to this might just open presents straight away. Like, no order. Might be frustrated by this approach. It's very methodical, very orderly. the fact that orderly. you clean before you open presents. Yeah, so a big part of Christmas was the food. And, like, I come from an African background, so it's quite different from ham and turkey and that type of stuff. We never had that. Um, it was more about, like, having a big crab stew or soup or traditional Ghanaian food which a lot of it was very meat heavy. Uh, on top of that, I explicitly remember every year we would always have Christmas butter Christmas butter cookies in those bicycle tins. Did you ever see them? What's a bicycle tin? They're those like tin, uh, those tin circular. I did not know what that's what it was called. Yeah, I looked at I had to Google it. Because <laughs> um, so I saw that in the notes and I was like, what is a bicycle? I know exactly what you're talking about, but I had no idea it was called a bicycle tin. Right, there you go. Yeah. But um yeah, so there's basically these this like butter buttery cookie we biscuits. We used to have them when I was little. Oh, you had them too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that that would always be something that you know, would just indulge in on Christmas day as well. And the, so the food was huge. So like when I became vegan, that and that was a bit different. And you typically do a barbecue as well. Your dad would be doing the barbecue. Yeah. With like prawns and so- not sausages, sometimes, but like lamb yeah, and not every year, but sometimes marinate that stuff yes so that was christmas day and then beyond just like work and the day itself of christmas then there was just like it was generally just a festive social time of the year so like i found that most communities like one year i was part of neighborhood watch they would do something for christmas one year i was part of um oh yeah right (laughs) one year you know i was part of a basketball club they'll do something for christmas one year i was playing gridiron they'll do something for christmas like normally if you're part of some community organization they're finding a way to enjoy this time of the year there's a lot of carnivals school carnivals as well Mm. um that happen um we just had halloween so Halloween was a big deal. Again, that's another opportunity to veganize a lot of things that are happening at that time of the year. So it's it's just, uh, or, or could be a time where you're traveling a lot. So you're traveling to see family, traveling to see friends. And in transit, you're presented with those challenges because you might be traveling in social groups. So I, I just wanted to paint the picture of what my life looked like before we became vegan at this time of the year. And then we became vegan in... Uh, mid-2014 and then I think the first challenge was sort of looking back at a whole lifetime of memories and experiences and kind of having to reimagine or saying goodbye to some of them and some of those habits and I think as a new vegan it's not so much about your experience I think for me it was about the fear of compromising other people's experiences Okay. Is is probably what I found to be the, the hard thing. Because I want everyone to have a good time. Yeah. Right? So I didn't want to be... The party pooper. The party pooper. Once again. <laughs> That's just not cool, you know? So that was an interesting role to sort of take on. But I think you also want to, like, even if you want to stick and be true to your values, you also want to reassure them that it's not actually that big of a deal so that they don't feel that pressure. Yep. Um, and you know, you take things into your own hands and we'll talk about that later. Yeah, absolutely. But you're spot on. Um, I think big part of what we're going to talk about shortly is how to make everybody comfortable in that transition. And, um, but I suppose if you're not vegan and you know, people who are vegan in your life, believe me, there's a lot of pressure that they might be putting on themselves. Yeah. Uh, to make sure that You've they're been not. Catered for. Yeah, because it's or making you feel uncomfortable. Absolutely, 
And a lot of the angst around this time of the year for vegans and non-vegans, well, for, for, let's just speak for vegans, right? Because when you become vegan, your your home is like your safety net, your pantry, your fridge, uh, everything is controllable within your own environment. Mm. You know, you know what ingredients you can use, you know where to go to shop, everything is fine. You know, between October and December, even for the most, uh, the least social of us are normally challenged to be social, <laughs> um, whether it's through the examples we've just provided. So that means either people are going to be coming over or more often than not, you're going to be going out and meeting people or going to other people's homes or going out to a public forum. And I think it's in those situations where things are a little bit out of your control, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the new reality that comes with that is like you need to do more planning. And we talked about this in episode 24 about the vegan trade-off. And, you you know, there is, while being vegan has never been easier um, than it is now, it's the the very thought of p- having to plan ahead is a bit inconvenient, right? Because mm. before... Your whole life, you hadn't, you didn't really have to think that much unless you had an allergy or you had specific eating requirements or something like that. I mean, that. you still have to plan. You still plan, um, but actually, talk about. I mean, at this time of year, there is a lot of planning. Mm. There is a lot of planning for, um, you know, con- conventional foods. Especially so, but, if you're hosting. Correct, but add another layer on top of that because of your requirements to to be vegan. Um, so and regardless then, if you're the person that's hosting or if you're con- going somewhere else, you have to plan. Correct. So your role as a planner never kind of stops. Yes. You know, that's the reality, I think, mm. of transitioning to a vegan lifestyle during this time of the year. And then the other thing is just the dealing with the frustrations of the excessive consumption of animals. It's just, it's everywhere. Yeah. You know, from sweets and halloween to meat on barbecues to turkeys to hams to it's just it's everywhere not that you just see it but um not not that you experience it in person not only that but you see it in advertisements everywhere like it's just um it can be really overwhelming yeah um if you're really passionate about saving animals saving animals the other thing is <laughs> we talked about this off air um, and this is just a very nuanced thing, but you you soon realize early in your vegan journey, you go through all of this planning to ensure that, you know, you're trying to keep the good times rolling. You're not impeding on anybody else. So you've got your food, you've got your drinks, everything is sorted. But I don't know if anyone else has had this experience, but quite often you would organize all this food and let's just say you've got a spread of food on the table. Right, so there's a pie chart of 100%. 20% of that food, or 10 to 20% of that food, is the vegan food. Right now, normally, as a vegan in a social situation, you're usually the only vegan there. There might be one other group of vegans there, it's increasing, which is fantastic. But normally, you're the only vegan. So, but people who aren't uh, vegan, who aren't vegan still enjoy vegan food, mm. right? So then you have this weird dynamic, and this sounds finicky, but it's, it, it, can, <laughs> it can be really frustrating. But, you know, you've got this like special food for the vegans, but then the non-vegans are also eating the vegan food, right? So reducing your portion. And that can be really frustrating because you're like, oh, you've got an abundance of food here, and then you're still eating my food, reducing my food as well, putting a bit of pressure on. So... We're going to talk about some tips about how to sort of navigate those situations, but that can be really deflating after all the effort you put into planning. And then lastly, I think just, you know, having to have the conversations time and time again. It's like you're up, you're up against these, uh, you know, one social event after the other, and then you're constantly suggesting different things or food, and you're having to have these conversations. Or what can you eat? What can you eat? What can you eat? So... Even though it doesn't seem like a big deal, but people constantly asking you, or well, what can you eat? Oh, you're missing out on that. Or what? like it can feel really isolating when it doesn't have to be a big deal. So there's that dialogue happening during this time of the year that's normally amplified compared to other times of the year. 
But I think it's also not just around the food. It can also be around just being vegan, period. Yep. Like people having conversations with you about it, like asking the typical, well, where do you get your protein from? You know, like, well, it's just one meal. Like I won't tell anyone. Those types of situations oh, yeah, yeah. where when you're just living your day-to-day, you don't really get to experience it that often anymore, yep. especially if it's your first uh, social event or holiday season being a vegan you will probably get, like, we get it less and less because, well, we've talked to people about it by now. So it can be overwhelming to cater for yourself and for the hosts to cater for you, for you to feel comfortable with the situation. But then on top of that, it's all of the dialogue that happens and the conversations that can happen through just the curiosity of you being a vegan yes, or talking to people that you might not necessarily know at the event because they see you eating something that's different to them will bring up a conversation Mm. or them talking to you about the food that you've brought and you having to explain that it's vegan and I'm vegan and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of extra pressure to feel confident in your decisions, Mm. you know, because sometimes people can also think, oh, well, it's just a phase, it'll pass, Mm. that sort of dialogue. So I think... Like I remember when we first became vegan, I felt pressure and I was quite nervous to be in social situations in case anybody asked me a question that I didn't know the answer to. Mm. And all of a sudden, everyone became a nutrition expert. Mm. You know, it's like, well, where do you get this from if it's not from animal products? Mm. So that can be quite isolating and sometimes people might not go just because they just don't want to have to be confronted with all of that, Mm. especially people that are quite introverted and shy. Mm. So that's something else to think about. But once we kind of got there and, you know, you just got to be real with people when you're having those conversations. And so that's one thing that I remember it being quite frustrating and as well as the food being eaten first and you having to literally pile up your plate with food <laughs> first, yeah, like get yeah. in line first to be able to get enough food for yourself because you most likely won't be able to go for seconds. Yeah. Which is fine and it's actually a really encouraging thing for people to yeah, try the sure, vegan food. Sure. But when the when the percentage is so off, mm. it can also be frustrating because it's like, well, guys, you have all of this food to eat, I've only got like this one bowl. Yeah, if it was 50-50, if it was 50-50 or all vegan, a different story or whatever. But like when it's a sliver of the food that is actually And as much as you want to encourage others to try it, it's like, well, I'll leave here, start. I've got to eat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, being us, we're big eaters and and it has happened in a few different events where it's just like, okay, I've learned my you know, from my mistakes previously, yeah. this is how it is from now yeah. on. So yeah. you just don't want to take your chances if you're going to be there for a few hours and then have to not eat anything. Yep. That, that, that you don't want to be in that situation. No. Sure. Okay. So that's, that's a bit of an overview of, uh, you know, I suppose the transition from generally what society and culture is like, then now you're vegan, how are you going to, okay, these are some of the challenges. So what, what can we do? What can we now do to sort of... Because I think what we're talking about here is like enjoying the festive season as a vegan, mm. right? Is, you know, and, and what I mean by this is interacting with non-vegans in harmony and it all just gone quite see, smoothly. Like And not yeah. looking like you're a threat to them because sometimes people that aren't vegan can put on a... Without realising, they can unconsciously perceive you as a threat to them and their lifestyle. Or that you're judging them for the way that they eat. Yeah. And so they can actually put their guard up. Get defensive, yeah. Yeah. So that's another thing to keep in mind is to try and keep it as open as possible. Um, Just because you're you're different now. You know, things are different for you in your life. Yes. And, you know, the fact that we are social beings and want to belong in what they used to call tribes, then it's like you being different, you can feel, again, a little bit isolated for from sure. that. For sure. So, yeah, as you were saying, yeah. So tips. what? Yeah, so what are some things that we can suggest or some things that we've learned to 
make this time of the year as enjoyable as possible for all parties involved. Yeah, we've got plenty of tips. (laughs) So some of them, well, all of them that we've got here is if you're eating out somewhere where it's going to be like catered for or like a restaurant or a cafe or a venue where they have a catering for you, just call up and ask what's on the menu, like what or have a look at their website, have a look at their Instagram because we... We eat with our eyes as well and we can kind of get an idea of what they can possibly have or you can have a look at what they currently have on their menu that looks close to vegan that they can veganize for you on the day Mm. so that you come prepared otherwise you can. And I've been in these situations many times where I've felt uncomfortable because I've had to be that annoying person that's like, oh, is this vegan? Can you make this vegan? Can you just check? If this has this in it and then, you know, the waiter's gone back about 10 times to the kitchen to check with the chef and it can get uncomfortable because you're holding up the team. Yeah. And really, you should have contacted. I mean, I should have contacted them And earlier. you know what? This is, um, okay, it, yes, it seems like pretty common sense to call ahead or research in advance. But what I've noticed socially, because we're talking about enjoying this time of the year, is that you go from a position of uncertainty at like let's say you're at a table a, a table of people everyone's ordering their food and everyone takes this very seriously everyone wants to enjoy their meal so you're ordering your food and everyone's sort of looking at each other what they're ordering yeah right so when you're like trying to scroll down and challenge the um, waiter to see what is possible and and quite often, like, the result, in my experience, has been something pretty underwhelming. Like, yeah. it can be, like, maybe a few roast potatoes and some salad with some balsamic vinegar. Or just some steamed vegetables. Or some steamed vegetables. <laughs> like, this has happened. Yeah. This has actually happened. So, what happens is that's presented to you. Everyone's got some meals that they're really happy with. And what's everyone else around the table thinking? Yeah. They actually feel sorry for you. Mm. Right? Because you're not having a good time yeah so they want you to have a good time yeah and they can see that one you're either unhappy or they're looking at your food and like that's underwhelming for them yeah so they're thinking i'm not going they're like they're like okay cool i don't want to be vegan yeah second of all i really hope they're having a good time yeah i just want them to i feel sorry for them right and then you feel that energy Mm. right and then that can compromise the experience but when you know in advance what you're going to order and you have conviction with it yeah, Chain, the energy changes because when I turn around and go, I'm going to order this, 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 this. What happens then? I've had people come to me at the point of ordering, going, "That sounds really interesting. What's that?" Yeah, yeah. And then they actually want to order the same thing. Yeah. So it's a completely Com- different experience yeah. if you plan in advance. Yeah. Good. And that way, you can also, if you give the chef a heads up, they can have a think about what they can put together for you. Like yes. they might not say, "Okay, well." We can do this, this and this. But when you get there, they might have a few options written down for you Mm. so that you have a few things to pick from. Yeah. And that can actually also give them ideas to add to their menu if they've got more and more vegans coming in or if people really like it. Mm. And if you order in advance, you actually also have the opportunity to then talk more. Mm. Because I hate that feeling of sitting down with people wanting to catch up, but then... Yeah, You know what I mean? You have the menu in front of you, but half an hour later, you still have not even glanced at it. If yeah. you know exactly what you're ordering before you even get there, you don't even need that menu. Yeah. You can One comfortably yeah. engage in a conversation. Good point. Good point. So that was just the first one. So that's that's a pretty that's a pretty straightforward way to to save yourself some some problems if you are going to if you know that and, you're going and somewhere how do you're we, not sure. and how do we prepare i mean yes there's we we look we rarely call these days though so like i, I do call but it's more i use the internet so i'll be yeah. researching on that uh, like you said instagram their menu so i'd call if they don't have visible vegan options on their menu yes that would like i wouldn't bother calling them if they already have a few sure. things on there yep because you just ordering what's on the menu. Yes. Um, but I still, I think it's actually nice to prepare before you go because that way, again, you're not wasting time thinking about, you know, like I actually like sitting down, coming to a restaurant and going, I know exactly what I want yeah. before I even get there. Yeah. 
Um, and it depends on the place. They might have a seasonal and that's, menu. And that's good whether you're vegan or not. It might be a useful tip anyway. Yeah. Just to be prepared. Yeah. So the other point when going out is that a lot of the time I've found that I get asked mm. like to be the person to suggest where we go because they want to make sure that you've been catered for and that you'll actually enjoy the food. So somewhere where you've already been and experienced what it's like. Mm. Because they'll typically have other things that everybody else can find at least one or two things that they'd like to have. Mm -hmm. So try and if you're in a position to actually suggest something or if they ask you to find something. And at that point, it also gives you the opportunity to show off vegan food. Yes. So if you find a place that's completely vegan maybe and that has really good quality food and that people that don't normally eat vegan food, you know that they'll find something that, you know, it's just even a place that maybe has mock meats yes. for, that, you know, will satisfy other people or they're willing to try something new yeah, um, or have half the menu that's vegan or at least a few options that you feel you'll actually really enjoy. Yep. And so I try like when I've, being asked where to go, I try and find somewhere that is really high quality, but has high quality vegan or not. Yeah. Um, and therefore everyone can enjoy something. Yep. So I think that's a really good point. And, and I had an experience with this recently. This wasn't necessarily around the festive season, but it was just deciding where to eat with a friend. And um, I think the key thing that you said there is that waiting for people to ask you. Because, you know, you, you try to be as inclusive as possible. And I know in a recent experience, when I caught up with a friend and we're trying to decide where to eat, I initially uh, suggested that we go out for some burgers. And because I knew that they had one or two vegan burgers on the menu. Okay, yeah. Um, but he was surprised that I picked that place because he thought it would have I would have picked somewhere that was vegan and he was actually happy to go somewhere that was all vegan. So mm. I was like, oh, okay, cool. In that case. Um, <laughs> Let and me roll out my talk. list. <laughs> yes. But I think, yeah, I, I think a really big part to uh, a big component to enjoying this time or enjoying those social activities is being as, in, as inclusive as possible yeah. and not being pushy, I suppose, about where you yeah. want to eat. And yeah. have people come to you and then that gives you a bit of control. So mm. I just wanted to make that point. And I think honestly, month on month, there's more places that are offering more vegan options. So yep. I'd be surprised to go to a restaurant today in our city that wouldn't be able to put something together that was vegan. For sure. But it's interesting because like I think a great way to be prepared without stressing about these situations is have a list. Like mm. write down five to six different restaurants and cafes that are your go-tos for that cater really well for both people that eat meat and that don't eat meat. Yeah. So that you can not have to go through your mind or, and have them on different sides of the town so that yeah. wherever you go, you've actually got options. Yes. And you can suggest a few different places and then they can pick. Mm. As well, that's an option. Cool. So the next tip would be if you really are struggling and you are in a place that, let's be honest, doesn't have too many vegan places like you're in barbecue city or you're going to a typical steakhouse or something and you call up and they say, look, we can just do some sides and some chips for you and that's really underwhelming for you or mm. they just don't have much option, or you feel like you're going to be hungry by the options that are available. Eat before you go. Mm. I mean, I know it sounds a bit ridiculous, but I'd rather be prepared and be full mm. than be a hangry person <laughs> on the evening uh, and be disappointed. The more you mentally prepare yourself and know what to expect, you won't be let down as yeah. well. So, therefore, you can actually enjoy the social experience rather than it just completely ruining your night. Yes. The other thing, which is what we've already talked about, is especially if you're going to friends and family's place for these festive seasons or in work environments, is bringing your own food. 
uh, so that you know that at least there will be a dish there for you to mm. enjoy. Mm. And I sometimes actually like to bring more than just enough for myself so that we can avoid the situation that we talked about before so that people can enjoy in the vegan food as well as non-vegan food if they choose to. And a lot of the time it's interesting that where I've brought vegan food with me is that that's the thing that people tend to love the most. Mm. So they'll be asking, you know, what's the recipe? How did you make this? What's in it? They'll come back for seconds and you just go, well, actually my food (laughs) was eaten first out of everything. Yeah. So it's actually can be a moment for you to shine if you're if you enjoy cooking. I actually think it's like a little it's a little form of activism to be honest. It's like yeah. being able to um, have the skills to be able to cook and yeah. bring that food to people. Yeah, uh, is a really great way to bring awareness to alternative, mm. you know, compassionate ways of food. So um, I think this is a big deal for sure. Yeah. And I think a great example. And I, on, on, oh, I, I should just I wanted to say like that's probably my one of my regrets is that I, I I'm not a bring your own food type of person. Yeah. Like I hate carrying Tupperware and preparing food and everything. You're you're that person. You're excellent in that situation. But I just know in like previous work environments, I could have I could have driven the vegan movement so much more in a positive way (laughs) (laughs) um if if i was to bring food not only for myself but for others because uh, i know that would have had a a, quite a big impact and impression on people yeah another thing that i was going to mention is something that came to mind when you were talking about you know using it as a form of activism and showing how good vegan food is was our wedding oh yeah you know and i think most people that ate food at our wedding really enjoyed it yes and you know the feedback was if i could eat like this every day i would be a vegan yeah and i'm sure that we kind of changed the perception of what vegan food is for a lot of people that day for sure so it's just those little things of introducing or if you're catering and everyone's you know if you've got friends that are flexible or family that's flexible do everything vegan like just show off If you have the capacity, show off. Yes. And I personally like to do that because I know that if even if you're just swapping out one meal that's non-vegan for a vegan one, that's an animal's life saved. For sure. So And we we talked about our wedding, minimalist vegan wedding in a podcast episode, didn't we? Yes. So we'll be sure to link to that. We'll link that. And we've also got a blog post with pictures and stuff. So we'll link to that as well. So you can you can stalk us that way. Um, so yeah. we've been talking about food this whole time. So if you, and in many cases during the festive season, a lot of people drink alcohol yep. and not all alcohol is vegan. So if you're drinking in or at someone's house, there's an opportunity for you to also showcase some really nice vegan friendly drinks, yep. but also explain why not all, because I would imagine 95% of people wouldn't know that all alcohol is vegan friendly. Well, and even in my experience is that, um, you know, if you bring a bottle of wine over to a friend's house or to a family member's house or out, um, that's normally a conversation in itself, regardless yeah. of whether it's vegan or not. Oh, where did you get that wine? What's the, what's yeah, the story? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, if it's good wine. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and that's normally an opportunity to talk about, you know, how it's different, how it's vegan. Uh, I found that like with beer, for example, the like the brand that I like is already a little bit different to some of the beer that you would normally see, um, or people would normally be exposed to where where I am anyway. So that's a conversation starter. I don't even have mm. to say anything, mm. but people are just like, oh, what's you know what's Mountain Goat? Like I haven't seen that brand before. And why? Um, what's the difference? Why is it organic? Yeah, and then and then that starts a dialogue as well. So that's um yeah, that's a good point. That's an- another opportunity to. Uh, expose people to different brands. Yeah. Um. So there's also the situation of having drinks out. Yeah. And uh, like food, you just need to do some preparation to see what type of drinks are available. Mm-hmm. Um. Like if you like beer, what's on tap? What did I have behind um in the fridge? Uh. Same with their house wines, just to you know figure out whether it's vegan friendly or not. Particularly uh, because a lot of bartenders don't know. 
Mm. Um, Especially it, if it doesn't say on the bottle. Yeah, if it doesn't say on the bottle, they've got no idea. Yeah. Uh, and they just want to do the right thing. So take that pressure away from them. I use an app called Barnivore. It's not an app, actually. It's just a website, barnivore.com. We'll link to it in the show notes. And um, it, it does, it's a database of wine, spirits, and beers. It's pretty comprehensive. It doesn't have every type of liquor on there. But I mean, that would be millions. Yeah, it would be a huge database if that was the case. But for, for most of your, your big names will be in there. Even local names are in there. So just type it in and it'll tell you whether it's vegan-friendly or not. Or contact... Um, actually contact the winery or the if it's local just contact them directly and ask them if they for sure if they actually use and it. it's worth the effort because it's knowledge for you in the future yeah you know so it's and and i should just say um we'll link also to the uh blog post about is alcohol vegan? oh yes yeah yes so do you want to just while we're on the topic quickly tell for people that are confused on why we're banging on about this thinking that they think that it is vegan. Do you want to just tell them why it might not be vegan? Yeah. So basically, so with like beers and wines in particular, most of the process is actually vegan friendly. It's just when you get to the to the part where you've got the alcohol brewing and, and to get it out of the barrel or wherever you're making the, the brew, um, you, you need to thin it out and get rid of a lot of the particles that's actually in the fluid. Mm-hmm. And... There are some vegan-friendly approaches to doing this, but a lot of the cheaper, more affordable ways um, is through like using uh, animal products. So this could be like fish guts, for example. There's like a product that has fish guts that are really good at absorbing all of the particles. Um, you know, some alcohol uh, is flavored with honey, for example, which isn't yeah. vegan. So um, you can learn all about it in my post, but. Yeah, it's basically th- through the thinning agents. Uh, there's a, a variety of them which you can buy. As, as a brewer, you're probably aware of these things. But they're the things that basically decide whether a beer or wine is vegan or not at that level. Yeah, I mean, there is also some spirits that just straight out aren't vegan. Correct. Um, like, is it tequila that uses scorpions? Yes. Yeah, so they... I mean, I didn't know that until about a month ago that that was the process because yeah. I don't really drink spirits. Um, and I'm sure that yeah, your mum reminded me of that. Yeah, because sometimes, that. and she's like, but you sometimes see that in the bottle they'll have a scorpion. Yeah, and it's that's a bit messed up. But yeah, so there are some other spirits, and you know, also like Bailey's and those ones that have dairy in them. Yes, I mean that's an obvious one. But yeah, so it's not just beer and wine. There's quite a few spirits and harder liquor. that's, yeah. that's not. For sure. And look, and if you're feeling extra festive, I think it will be useful to have a few vegan-friendly cocktails under your belt that you can maybe prepare for friends or family when they come over or yeah. um, or be aware of what they are when you go out and order as well. Yeah, um, or like might... a sangria with a red wine that's yeah. vegan-friendly and Yeah, a punch or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and... and and I know I'm dragging on about this, but I think that, again, you don't want to understate how important the prep is because particularly socially, if you decide to have a few drinks, like nothing quite kills the momentum, like stopping and starting with ordering and uh, having to go through this process of questioning bartenders and doing research. And, and when honestly, you're so immersed in conversation, busy. they're too busy. And yeah, it could be a loud, loud environment and, and all this stuff. So if you do that preparation, it'll just ensure that it gives you the best opportunity to have a good time. Rather than just drink yeah. water. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing That's wrong with that too. That's what I also do yeah. most of the time. They've got some kombucha or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> go for it. Um. So, yeah, so we talked about hosting at your own house, Mm -hmm. giving the opportunity for for more vegan-friendly options. But as Michael mentioned before, there's also a lot of pressure on non-vegans to make sure that they cater uh, for vegans. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And and I think this manifests in different ways. Like we've talked about food and drinks. And, you know, we've experienced this when friends will invite us over uh, Mm. around this time of the year. And... Um, or they come over and they want to bring a bottle of wine. And for them, there's other layers of research that they need to do to maybe get a bottle of wine that's vegan friendly. Or, or they might not send be a, them a list. Or, or they might don't... not be aware, yeah. right? And they don't want to disappoint you. And then same with food. There's like, oh, okay, like it's pretty intimidating to have vegans come over. What am I going to prepare, mm. right? Um, so I think that's a really valid concern. 
And again, as a vegan at this time of the year, you want everyone to have a good time, not feel that pressure. There's enough pressure on, on everybody, vegan or not, just to make sure everyone's catered for in mm. those situations. But yeah, I think it's just really important to have some really encouraging, supportive dialogue with those important to you Yeah. Um, to make that transition as easy as possible for them mm. to be able to cater for them. So like, for example, when I first became vegan, there was just a couple key sort of traditional Ghanaian dishes that I just wanted to quickly find out whether it can made vegan or not. Mm. You know, so we went from spinach stew, which would, you know, normally would be made with tuna or egg or beef or whatever, to then using chickpeas instead. Yeah. Right? My sister's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, we can just use chickpeas. Yeah, because the bulk of it is still, it's like, still it's just, still a spinach stew. It's still a spinach stew, yeah. yeah. Same with the peanut soup, you know, just... You know, even I figured out a recipe around that to make sure which I could we still have enjoy. On the website. Yeah, which I have on the website. <laughs> can link to it too. Shameless plug. And then like the like jollof, jollof rice. Hmm. Um, my sister's like, oh, easy. We could we can just use vegetable stock instead, and we won't put the chicken in. We'll make the chicken separately, and um, it worked out really well. So it was just a few things that we tweaked very quickly. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing when communicating with, with friends. Mm. It, it's like when they say, well, what, what can you eat? I think it's more about, well, what do you normally make? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it might be one ingredient away from being, from being vegan, vegan or it might already be vegan and they weren't aware. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, it's vegan. That's cool. Like, because like, I think people build up this big thing in their head like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to completely make something from scratch. Yeah. And that it excludes so many things that they f- they freeze in that yeah. mindset of I like can't cook Like I don't have anything. things in my pantry that can support this yeah. or in my fridge. But if you can just reassure them that they do have it mm. or they already have it, then it's like it makes it so or much easier. Or it's an easy switch. Like from dairy yogurt, you can use coconut yogurt or soy yogurt. Like there's a lot of things that are easily switched out for a vegan alternative that'll pretty much give you the exact same outcome. Yeah. Yeah. On the flip side though... For vegans now inviting friends over for dinner, for example, a Christmas dinner, then there's a different type of pressure. I've felt this as well. It's like, well, because you want to make sure that your guests are catered for. So, you know, like as a vegan, like eating tofu is pretty well accepted. Like it's something that you, you might do quite often. Yeah. But then it, you, you have to really your challenge yourself. Yeah, your non-vegan it. friends. Like even before I was vegan, what did I think of tofu? It's not like I was like super excited about it. Yeah. But I've learned how to marinate and do things with tofu and and to make it really exciting. So you got to keep that in mind. Like like your friends might not have that same experience as you. Or the so same like, palate. You know, like you got to think about what if they're already a picky eater sure. without being vegan. Yeah. So you people really funny about vegetables, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I like normally actually capsicum. Ask, like you don't like capsicum. Depends. Well, it depends how it's made, but like but yeah, like I'll normally ask if they've got allergies or particular foods that they don't like to eat because yeah. I do not want to make a curry or something where the main veggie is something that they hate. Yeah, you know what I mean. You just want to make sure that they you're giving them the best opportunity to enjoy that food. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind and just to always ask, like. Yep. Try and make sure that you can give everyone the great experience. Mm-hmm. And the last point that we had was, look, if you can't be bothered to cook or you can't be bothered to really cater, you can order takeaway. Mm. Like order some great options for takeaway or if you are inclined on eating junk food, order some, you know, you can have some vegan pizzas or like most places now have vegan pizza options. Mm. So that's another option if it's like a really low, not if it's like a... Well, it's just like, I mean, I've been at, um, like for example, I've been at work events where we're ordering Domino's or we're ordering Mexican food or... Like, like you're working late, you're working Yeah, working overtime. late, working overtime, they're ordering food. And it's like, well, luckily with a lot of these options now they have the vegan options available so yeah. you don't have to compromise the experience at all yeah. um and not only are they good for you but other people might want to eat that too and yeah. i think just generally like people get festive at this time of the year and they kind of indulge in bad food anyway 
mm. right? So as a vegan, you've got a decision to make whether you're going to be a bit more flexible with what you eat at this time of the year because as you walk down the aisles, there's a ton of processed foods that are super tasty, not good for you, mm. but that can spread that bit of love and that and get into that festive spirit, whether it's like pies or, yeah, as you said, pizza or... Or if it's accidentally um, vegan, chips like or whatever people it is, that yeah. don't realise yeah. that it's already vegan yes. in itself. The other thing that I just thought about was, you know, even outside of, well, in holiday mode, but getting catering as well. Right. If you've got a bit of extra cash and you want to go all out and you want to impress people, but you're not like you're a terrible cook, get some catering done mm. um, and order some food that will that you will all enjoy and you don't have that stress and pressure of having to to cook yourself. Yeah. Um, like one thing that I did and also if you're time poor. Mm. So something that we did for our niece for her birthday, we actually ordered um, our present to her because we don't like buying physical gifts. I thought it would be nice to organize her birthday cake, which was another thing that was off your sister's list mm. that she didn't have to think about, which mm. was great because normally for birthday parties for like a three-year-old, there's a lot involved. So I said, okay, great. And I was thinking, actually, I'm going to make it a vegan birthday cake because mm. it aligns with my values. People will not even realize that it's not vegan. She'll get a great cake. She, <laughs> her desire was for a unicorn rainbow cake. Yeah. And so we got that. And so, and it was a stunning cake. It was beautiful. It was actually quite affordable, really easy to organize and so many different flavors and no one actually knew that it wasn't vegan. Yeah, it was super ninja because it... Uh, but I wouldn't do it as a sneak attack. I'd, I actually asked your sister, I said, are you happy for me to do yeah, a vegan cake yeah. rather than like sneakily organizing it because that can kind of backfire and yeah. seem a bit... Um, controlling. Yeah. Yeah. Can come across as controlling if you don't actually approve yep. it by the other person first. Yep. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, and it, it also get you get to see what's out there, what can be done. Like mm. I, I couldn't believe... Like what she put together. What, what they put together with this cake. Yeah. And now we know if we ever need a cake like, again. And it was a super, like it was a kid's cake. Like the yeah. icing and the whole, like it was super like this is not going to be vegan. Like there's yeah. no way this could be vegan. And it was like, it tastes exactly like one of those cakes. Yeah. Mm. So, and that way, you know, when there was some leftovers, we could take a little bit home with us. Yeah. A whole bunch. <laughs> and we could enjoy it too. Yeah. Because again, if we were at the birthday party we would feel a bit awkward because we wouldn't be able to have the birthday cake, which is normally what happens yeah. 99.9% of the time. And again, everyone's like, oh, oh, I wish you could have some of the cake. You yeah, know, like there's so that. good. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I think, is there anything else you want to add? I'm pretty sure that, that we've covered everything that we wanted to talk about. No, no, I think that's it. Yeah, I hope that this this gives people some tangible ideas and perspectives and more importantly to set the right expectations and to make sure that you can go into this holiday season having a good time um because it, it you know being vegan can derail you this time of the year yeah it can be so frustrating and deflating and we haven't even talked about and the waste we haven't even talked about the waste or yeah. we haven't even talked about the consumerism maybe we have to do separate podcasts around minimalism and sustainability well, we did do a podcast on uh minimalist like Gifts oh yeah we did minimalist stuff. gift so giving we'll, yeah we'll link to that in the show notes and we've done some content around it before yeah but um yeah i think it can also be discouraging to stay vegan when this time of year comes around because it's it can just be sometimes you can just feel like it's too hard if you're not 110 percent about it and there's no way you'd ever go back which is a lot of people especially when they first start you can be swayed especially when family and friends aren't understanding is to consume animal products. Well, if you think and then you feel crap about it. Well, yourself. imagine a um you know, we always say this always, you know, there's very few vegans at birth. So let's say you've spent your lifetime eating the same thing at Thanksgiving, the yeah. same thing at Christmas, the same thing every birthday, the same thing every Halloween, right? And you love it. Or Easter. Or Easter. And you love the food that you ate at that time. Yeah. You look forward to it, hmm. and then you become vegan. There could be some temptations. 
mm. right? And there could be some disappointment. Like, you know, I know people who have gone vegan and they're, they've disappointed their mum because their mum's cooked them their favourite food for their whole lifetime and now they're saying no to chicken schnitzel or whatever. And that's a big deal. Psychologically, that can really weigh on you. So I think, you know, that's real. That pressure is real. So, uh, but I think what's exciting is that there's never been so many alternatives and so many ways to share uh, and bring diversity to people and and for us to all be open about um, our values. And challenge their thinking of what they believe veganism actually is because it can be something completely different to what they thought that it was. Yeah. So, cool. All right, I think we'll end it on that note. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and we'll chat to you next week. All right, bye. Okay, bye. So there it is, episode 38 of the Minimalist Vegan Podcast, how to enjoy holiday season as a vegan. If you're interested in learning more, we link to a ton of resources over at our show notes, which is theminimalistvegan.com slash 038. That's theminimalistvegan.com slash 038. So, after listening to that conversation, how are you going to spend your festive season? How are you going to have those conversations with people around you? How are you going to prepare? Would love to know. You know, reach out to us on Instagram. Share your experiences on how you navigate the holiday season where, you know, so many animals are being consumed at this time of the year. You know, how do we, how do you make that happen in your life? Guys, I just wanted to thank you for all your support for this podcast. We've been blown away by some of the feedback that we've been getting. I just wanted to read one on the air very quickly from a review we got from somebody, a listener over in Spain. Mindful conversations about daily life. I love your podcast, the way you guys talk about different issues from veganism and environment to more insight on psychological aspects of life is natural, humble and close to people. I feel like I could have these, those talks with myself and my friends anytime. You help me rethink and reevaluate important habits of my daily life. Your podcast really adds value to my life. Keep on going. Live with less stuff and more compassion. Hugs from Spain. By the way, I love your website. Oh, thank you so much. It's feedback like that that really keeps us uh, energy high and, and driven to continue to show up on a microphone and have these honest conversations. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you haven't already, I'd love to hear from you to leave a writing or review. It helps us to understand that there's people listening and uh, so we can extend that conversation to you as well. Anyway, I'm going to leave it at that for this week. Here's to living with less stuff and more compassion. Chat to you next time. Peace.